back with Bandroom. This is a podcast about teaching, a podcast about teaching music, and a podcast about teaching music in a small and rural school where wonderful teachers are helping amazing students make some serious music. I'm your host, Lance Jones, coming to you from my own band room on a hilltop somewhere in central Pennsylvania. Today, we're going to talk about what we love most about teaching in a small rural school, and I, I do, I really cherish where I work. But before we get to that, I just want to say this is episode one of volume three. So we're going to drop the first five episodes of volume three this fall, and then another five episodes this spring after the holiday season. And uh, each episode is still going to be around that 10 minutes uh, runtime. So that way you can get after it during either your commute or a prep period or something like that. Um, but yeah, we're going to to throw five in a row at you um, in the fall and another five in the spring. And then you can go after them the way you like, just like you do on the Netflix. And we also want to give a shout out to Brandon Payne. Uh, thank you for letting me use your music for yet another volume of the Backwoods Band Room. If uh, you don't know, um, I, I mentioned it in a previous episode, but Brandon Payne and I worked together uh, a few years ago in Pennsylvania, and then we both went separate ways, and he went to one side of the state, I went to another part of the state, and he is in the Pittsburgh area uh, still teaching, but also gigging like crazy. So if you get a chance and you're in the Pittsburgh area, check out Brandon Payne. That's Payne with a Y, and you can find him by searching for That Painful Music, Painful with a Y, on Facebook, Insta, or YouTube. So check him out, and thanks again, Brandon, for your time and talent and for letting me use this on the podcast. All right, let's dig in. So if you've listened to any of the tracks on Volume 1 or Volume 2, you have heard some kind of joke or humorous look at the small school experience. But I mean, uh, I grew up here. This is my home. Um, I work and live amongst my family and friends, and I'm dedicated to serving this community. And uh, yeah, sometimes I find the humor and the absurdity of my situations. But uh, hopefully we all do, because regardless of how big or how small or how poor or how affluent your situation is, we all deal with absurdities, and uh, you have to embrace that and find the humor, and I encourage everyone to do that. But yeah, make no mistake, I'm not a transplant coming in and, and you know, poo-pooing on the locals or the commoners. You know, these are my family and my friends, and I love working here, so it's all good. Now, that said, and having said that, I'm not sure which, uh, there is a stigma associated with working in a small school in the music field. You know, this idea that a small school is a temporary stop on your way to a bigger or better school situation, or that somehow a small school posting is falling short of our own artistic expectations or standards. Now, to be fair, this stigma exists and carries weight for some real reasons. So let's talk about that. For example, most musicians do not dedicate all of their time money and energy pursuing mastery of this craft, all the while dreaming of working in a school with seven students in the high school band and a choir of 12 with no low voices. Or most undergrads don't spend four years studying all the nuances of each grade level and ensemble track to think to themselves, man, I can't wait to specialize in all of this in a K through 12 job where I'm the only educator in the building. And 
colleges also tend to paint these positions as like these extreme exceptions rather than the norm that needs to be prepared for. So how we break these stigmas is a conversation for another time. But for now, we just need to reconcile with them with the reality that these jobs do exist. And there are some really wonderful aspects to teaching in a small or rural school. So let's celebrate this with reasons to love where we work. Let's go. Number one, immediate meaningful impact, right? So as the only music or maybe even art specialists in the building or the district, you are the person who is framing the entire artistic experience for all of the students in your district and also the person creating the artistic lens for your communities. So this is a double whammy, both in and outside of the school, right? This is a tremendous responsibility. And while it's so easy for rural music teachers to feel unnoticed or undervalued, in reality, your just your daily presence and your daily decisions and actions inform how others see art as a craft and a profession in your district and in your community for generations to come, right? And this impact affects everybody, not just the students, we already talked about the community, but students who are in your program, but also the students who are outside the program, right? You're maybe the only music teacher they see. And so when they think of what a music teacher is and how a music teacher carries themselves and what your music class looked like, that's what they assume every music program and every music class looks like sometimes for the rest of their lives, right? So We've seen it. I've seen it happen with my own eyes, and I, I'm sure you have too. And we'll call this uh, uh, part one, we'll call this 1B, 1B, right? Students in these small schools deserve opportunities for education through the arts. And if you look around, there are master teachers who have dedicated their careers working in these communities. So it's real. This immediate and meaningful impact is a real thing. Number two this is my favorite. Ready? Number two is endless possibilities with zero expectations. Oh, I love this. So when you work at a school that's more affluent, uh, whether it be in terms of money or resources, sometimes those money and resources are built on expectations and traditions that are politically motivated or can also become artistically limiting. Small and rural schools may not have those funds or resources, but they're also missing the, the cogs that those things build. So when you work in a community that has no artistic expectations, that can be um, very disheartening. But you also look at that um, as a freedom to build the opportunities and experiences that you wish to see. If you frame it through that lens, then you're really only limited by your creativity. You know, if you go, go look at the uh, uh, it's the Ben Zander uh, YouTube video, right? He uses the whole Nike shoes example of, uh, you know, the salesman that goes down and says, uh, this is hopeless situation, hopeless. They don't have, they don't wear shoes here. And the other salesman says, you know, what a wonderful opportunity. They don't have shoes yet, you know? So you go into a school that has no artistic expectations or standards. You can look at it as not yet. They don't. And you have the opportunity to build something from the ground up the way you see fit. Really, really exciting. And again, you're only limited by your own creativity. We'll call this 2B, 
committing to a vision and seeing this vision through, building it brick by brick is a lot of work, okay? I'm not gonna lie. It is a tremendous amount of work, especially when you're limited by your manpower and your resources, but it is also very rewarding work, okay? Everything from establishing field trips, master classes, having in guest performers or speakers, developing commissions, uh, festivals, all help support the viability of arts in your school and community. Love that one. Number two, endless possibilities and zero expectations. Number three, close to the source. Oh boy, this one is a bit deep and abstract and doesn't exactly fit on a bumper sticker. But for me personally, I feel connected to what I'll call the source in my rural environments. And by source, uh, I mean that I'm in an environment that I feel nourishes me as a person. And so let's talk about what that looks like, okay? For me, that means that in my rural setting, I feel like I appreciate the beauty of nature and the time and commitment that beauty takes in all stages and seasons. You know, um, I'm in a part of Pennsylvania that we experience all four seasons. I realize that I'm surrounded by the environment that inspires all art. You know, I'm reminded that nature is the source and reflection of all beauty. Um, also, my environment reminds me that creativity is nature manifest in us and that creativity, generosity, kindness, servitude, all those things are beautiful. It all feeds that same machine, right? And lastly, it's important for us to find the positive in our surroundings. So for me, my rural environments, I find very inspiring. But if, if you are in a different setting, you need to look and recognize things in your environment that you find beautiful, things that inspire you, places and things that connect you and remind you of what's important. No environment's perfect, of course. No town, no community, no district is, is perfect. But listen, I could focus on the fact that the economy in my community amounts to how many dollar generals we have or that status is proportional to the size of the truck that you're driving and I'm driving a vibe. So, you know, I could focus and stress about that. But all that's just noise that distracts us from the bigger picture that we want our students to find beauty and pride in in our, in our district and our communities. So yeah, no matter where you're at, find a way to connect to that source. And the fourth thing that I love about teaching in a rural school is the relationships. Teaching a small school may mean that you're the only teacher in the building or district, and that can be stressful and overwhelming and exhausting. There are some great challenges that come along with that and managing so much, but the few wins that you do have are really substantial. And that includes our relationships. Because I am the only instrumental specialist in my school district, I have the opportunity to see my students grow and mature as musicians and as people for, what is that, seven years? Eight years. I get to know them. I get to know their families and witness a lot of their lives. And, you know, what a profound honor that no other teacher at any grade level really gets to experience, you know, that is a, a substantial win in the, in the W column, right? And then because I have very few arts colleagues in my own district, um, that 
almost forces me to, to have more connections with colleagues outside of my district and other communities. And it also forces me to find connections within my community that may not happen to be in within the walls of the school district. So uh, finding other artists in the community to kind of uh, work with and bounce ideas off of and collaborate with, you know, those relationships are really, really special and something I'm, I'm really thankful for. Hey, this is track one for volume three. Uh, you know, be on the lookout for more tracks to come. Or if you haven't done so, get caught up on volume one and two. And until then, love where you live, serve, and work. There's no wrong way to do this. You know, shout out and share what you love with your family, friends, and colleagues. Or practice some private gratitudes and let these things feed you and energize you in your teaching and music making on a daily basis. So till next time from my silo to yours, happy music making. Mm-hmm.